So I would like to welcome back to the podcast, Elaine Pascal. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you. Um, You're back on because you are our literary expert. Yes. And so have you read any good books recently? What can you recommend me? Well, okay. I just currently read and it's you peasants will be able to get it on June 30th. I was able to get it in advance. Okay. Copy um, Rebecca Rowland's Shagging the Boss. It's like a, a novella. Okay. It is good. I enjoyed it. I'm going to, I'll write a review of it, but it is incredible. And I don't think, I'm trying to remember the last time I was on, I don't think the Anne Rice anthology had been out yet. So if I can no. make a yes. love. Go for it. For Dancing in the Shadows, a tribute to Anne Rice. It is an anthology featuring 19 authors and their take on contemporary Gothic literature, trying to, you know, continue Anne Rice, which she sort of brought to popularity. But what's so beautiful about this anthology is that all proceeds go to the Animal Rescue of New Orleans. We, none of us, took a single penny, including the cover mm-hmm. artist, publisher, nothing. So if you have a huge pile to read. You won't feel guilty buying one more book. <laughs> the puppies and the kitties and, you know, all those animals in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and they will very much thank you for purchasing a copy. Oh, that's amazing. That's so good. Oh, that's just made my day. We just adopted a new kitty, so I'm kind of like, oh. yeah. Um, I am currently, I am reading um, the case of Dr... Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because I've never read it so I'm reading that at the moment I didn't quite realize the format it's in which is like told from a lawyer's perspective um and I'm also currently audio booking uh Clive Barker's back catalogue I love Clive Barker yeah I I really enjoyed Hellhound Heart Hellbound Heart not Hellhound um I'm struggling to get through the first book of blood I'm not gonna lie Hmm. I wonder if it's different. I don't do the audiobooks. I read them. Mm-hmm. I read them a million years ago too. I mean, like yeah. I was a kid when I read yeah. that. Yeah, so maybe I need to read it. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So this week we have decided, and this was such a task to do, but we did it. We <laughs> decided to look at adaptations of Henry James's eighteen ninety eight novella, The Turn of the Screw. And boy, are there a lot of adaptations and are there a lot of very long adaptations. Um, Have you read The Turn of the Screw previously? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. have, And I tried to reread it. I did reread it, but I uh, mostly skimmed through it. Um, You know, Henry James, not a great writer. Like I have (laughs) to. And I know he's like, the one of the greatest American authors. Like I know I get that, but. And what I'm about to say is like my complaining that the sky is blue. These authors that we read in American mm-hmm. literature classes, they're part of a clique. Like they were mm-hmm. all buddies. They were all in with the publishers. Henry James was traveling around England and France. And like, they're a clique. So we're mm-hmm. exposed to them. I had to read every sentence three times to understand what he was saying. And I shouldn't have to do that. That's not good writing. Yeah. Whereas at the same time, Kate Chopin is publishing like The Awakening and these really fantastic novels mm. that we don't read her or we have to get to grad school to have some snarky professor like 
give her to us and be like, but let's let the men tell us about women's issues. You know, like, let's <laughs> let them talk about governesses and their sexual issues. Not yeah. actual women talk about women's issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I have read it. I'm not a huge fan, obviously, of the <laughs> of the story itself. Because I find it laborious. It's so the sentences are so convoluted. I can't make sense. You know, I have to read everything literally three times to understand what he's saying. Yeah, I read it about ten years ago, and um, when I was in university the first time, I was doing anthropology. And this girl that I was friends with was uh, majoring in English. And she was like, I'm reading this book, The Turn of the Screw, for my class. And it's like the scariest book ever, blah, blah. So it had been built up in my mind that it was this really scary ghost story. And then when I read it, I was like, oh. Like, <laughs> like you know, a, a packet of how to make mac and cheese is more scary <laughs> than this. Um <laughs> But I do find it interesting how this one little novella mm. has has had so many adaptations uh-huh. and it's kind of on the same level as like, you know, uh, Jane Eyre or okay. with that level of kind of adaptation material. Why mm. do you think it has had so many um, interpretations of the text when it comes to like movies or TV series? There are a lot of ways you can look at it. You can certainly have different lenses when looking at this story. Um, you know what I what I like the most about the story, and what I like that they did in the, the nineteen seventy four and the nineteen whatever ninety nine one is really um, f- focusing on the govern not focusing on, but just alluding to the fact that the governess has a lot of issues, and she's got a lot of sexual issues, and she's very repressed. And so her relationship with Miles is very odd and concerning. Mm. And her seeing these ghosts is very concerning. Like, is she projecting? You know, that's interesting. And there's a lot you can do with that. So I can see people going that way with it. And again, it's, it's one of those things like, oh, Henry James, he was one of the masters of American literature. Like, you know, people love to like latch onto those names and just ride them like they're super important. Yeah, so part reputation and part like yeah, you could do things with this story that are interesting. Yeah, one thing I was reading about the story was that it's quite an ambiguous text. Mm-hmm. We're never really told yes, it was ghosts or yes, it was the governess's mental declining health. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever it's very open, and so I was reading about how it's been received through the years so apparently up until like the 30s they were like it's a ghost story very gothic definite ghost story but then as a wave of feminism came in it started to be read as the governess's repressed sexuality like a yellow wallpaper type of a story exactly yeah so it kind of depended the age in which people were looking at it and even when I was watching the adaptations today I was like, you could totally take, you could totally see how they've been interpreted depending on the eras that they were made in. So as you said, we've got a 70s one, we've got one from the early 2000s, and then we've got one, a more recent one that we're going to briefly chat about. Um, And it was kind of interesting to see how each of those adaptations interpreted the text 
in accordance to their era of making. What do you think about, so the, the actual story begins as a Christmas Eve ghost story. It's mm. Christmas and they're telling ghost stories. And I don't, I'm, I'm still interested in this tradition, but I don't know why Christmas Eve is such a bummer. Like these are sad stories. <laughs> like we're ending the year feeding the crowd. Yeah. But so it starts that way, which was kind of like the way they did found footage back then. It was, always, you know, there's always like someone telling the story of, so well, I found a diary, I found a letter, whatever. So it starts that way with a man telling that he found this letter from this woman that he really liked. But they, but they're all sitting there going, oh, good. We hope children are being tortured. Like, what is that? <laughs> because they, right? They tell one ghost story and he's like, if you think one child's good, this one's got two. I'm like, what is this? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> I know. I mean, even if you think about stuff like, obviously, the woman in black is a later mm-hmm. text, but set in a similar way. Like that's all to do with like hurting children. <laughs> like, you're just like, Fair what is it about this creepy kids? Um, so let's begin with the 1974 version then would you like to introduce it to us tell us all about it so this was actually a made for television version so before i watched it i really had some negative i was like oh made for tv right it was on abc directed by dan curtis with lynn redgrave as the governess and the governess's name changes every version she's jane in this one um Megs Jenkins is Miss Gross, who she's a, a kind, sweet Mrs. Gross in this one. Jasper Jacob is Miles, and he's the friggin' creepiest Miles. Oh, stop. I had a restraining order on him while I was watching the film. He's so creepy. And then Eva Griffith is young Flora. So, yeah, it was made for TV, aired on ABC, really an adaptation that tried to stick close to the story, to the original story, really tried to follow the original story, teased out some of those nuances. Like, did the kid, like, did Miss Jessup and um, the, the guy, Peter Quint, have sex in front of the kid? Like, that kind of stuff was sort of out. Like, what really was going on in those relationships? What did the kids actually see? I thought I was pleased. I real like I said, I went into it like, oh, made for TV. This is going to be stupid, and I really liked it. And that Miles creeped me out so badly when he comes down with like his Lord Byron shirt. And he's like, "Would you like to have a drink with me?" I was like, "What the hell is this? What is this?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it follows very closely. So we've got this governess who is sent to Bly Manor, um, and she is to look after Flora, the young girl, teach her. But then Miles is sent home from school because of an alleged incident. So we get this little glimpse at Miles as a character and that, you know, we first meet him and he's very charming, but it's almost like an older charm than he should yeah. possess. And it's it's so, like you said, so creepy, so uncanny almost. Yeah. And then we find out that it was because of this quint that had kind of taken him under his wing after their parents died. But instead of you know, helping him through life and showing him how to be a gentleman. <laughs> he takes him drinking in the local town and, you know, is terrible to him. Um, and it is alluded that both Miss Jessup and Peter Quint were in it together on kind of leading these kids astray. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we're kind of it's a very subtle hint that the kids might have in some form have been like emotionally or mentally abused by these people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's never out and out said Mm -hmm. um now like you said miles the epitome of a creepy (laughs) kid i got and it's the way he keeps calling the governess dear my dear yes it's in this patronizing tone Mm -hmm. yes and even flora said before he comes home there's all that conversation about like was Miles a bad boy and and of course Miss Gross is like well I wouldn't want to meet a boy who wasn't like kind of saying you know boys are kind of whatever um, but then Flora says and he's quite the ladies man or something something to that and I'm like he's 14 what are we talking about here what this is weird it was really weird yeah and there's like little instances where he's like at one point he's like rubbing her shoulders yeah. and all this and you're just like on her bed while she's sleeping yeah. She's way too familiar with her. But again, you wonder, like you said, there are things that are hinted at and you have to wonder, okay, so how much of those things happen and how much is this really repressed woman projecting these things onto these children? Like she mm-hmm. is imagining these things because she wants to be this like Christian savior and come in and like save their souls from these devil ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that the ambiguity of the origin text is well represented in this? Or do you think it's a very cut and dry telling of the story? No, I think I think it's well represented. I do. I I feel like Henry James intent was to tell a ghost story because of the way the frame, the frame is people sitting around telling ghost stories. And the guy says, oh, I've got a really good one for you, but I need to send my servant to another town to get it in a locked drawer underground under the sea in a submarine. I don't know where the heck he's keeping this letter, but like there's this whole like espionage backstory. (laughs) I don't know why we needed that, but um, so I feel like Henry James meant to tell a ghost story, but I think it does seem that one of his, one of his, um, goals as a writer was to highlight certain social things going on at the time. But I do think he was trying to talk about Miss the the governess and also like a Miss Jessup type and how they get governesses get sucked into these bad situations. And Henry James himself, his sexuality's been under debate. You know, I don't I mean I don't know why we're debating the man's sexuality, but people who like who are Henry James scholars, Lord knows why you'd be a Henry James scholar, but they're, <laughs> they're not sure. Like, was he asexual? Was he gay? Was he bisexual? Like what, what really was he? It was never really quite clear. I hope he's not a pedophile after reading these stories. <laughs> there's, there's some weird stuff happening here. Um, so I felt like the story really did a very nice job. And I actually, I liked the ending better then the book ending where they're on the staircase and she's shut because it left it really open to, okay, so did she actually see Quint and did she save Miles' soul from Quint or did she actually shove a child down a staircase? Cause she's nuts. Yeah. I, I felt that, I mean, compared to the other two we're going to talk about, it was a bit more of an ambiguous, you know, did she see this random gray faced figure, you know, or is it, the ghosts of her, you know, she's been told this story by mm-hmm. the servants and by the children. Is this just 
figments of her imagination Mm-hmm. because of her psyche the state of her psyche and it was left really open as well as the kind of commentary on social standings in this mm-hmm. you know in the text itself it it was very subtle at commentating on that compared to say the one that we're going to talk from the the BBC adaptation mm-hmm. um and i felt that the characters were a lot more believable in this one. Mm-hmm. And it it played a lot on the gothic horror tradition as well, which I quite enjoyed. What did you think of the gothic ghost story aspect and the kind of horror aspects of the film? Did you enjoy them? I did. Again, they weren't, you know, don't go in looking for jump scares. Don't go in, you know, it is very, it's a slow burn and it takes a while for them to even get to the ghosts just as the story does. Like it doesn't, you're not immediately confronted with what's going on. You're not really sure anything's, you know, there's really nothing besides the kids being just a little weird and creepy. And besides, well, I guess the, the clue in both the story and this one that something's weird is the uncle this whole guardianship figured out where he's like, I'm hiring you. Don't talk to me. If something happens to these kids, I'm like, I wish I had known that when I was raising children, that that was an option. Don't bother me. I don't want to know. I'm not checking on those kids at all. Like that was, so, and that's kind of a little weird. Okay. Why does he not want any phone calls? Any, well, not phone calls, this is back in it. Why does he not want any letters, any correspondence? You know, they're supposed to manage everything without him. That's like your first inkling that's a red flag. Like something's not right. But it's again, it's not like a jump scare. It's not like ghost right away. It, mm-hmm. It's a slow burn. So you don't go into expecting to be scared. But it certainly is creepy. And the tension, you know, builds very nicely. And it, it is very tense by the end. Yeah. One thing I liked about it, was like you kind of mentioned you know the weirdness of it it's that uncanny feeling and it's using the uncanny to build that tension and you know we know it from I mean another adaptation I guess the innocence Mm -hmm. that's another adaptation that does uncanny really really well Mm -hmm. and also stuff like the haunting as well it kind of is in that same tradition of yeah it's a bit of a slow burn but the horror of it is from Mm -hmm. this feeling that you're like something's not quite right Mm -hmm. like it looks kind of normal but it's not Mm -hmm. and I like the way that it wasn't too overt with its explanation of everything Mm -hmm. um compared to the next one we're going to talk about (laughs) which my god I was not expecting it to go that way but it did (laughs) so the next one that we looked at was a 2009 um, adaptation, The Turn of the Screw, and it was done for the BBC. Um, And (laughs) like the BBC, I'm usually quite impressed by their adaptations of things. Um, It was directed by Tim Fywell, and it stars Michelle Dockery as Anne, who is the governess, and it opens with such a strange opening. Like, I just, it didn't sit right with me. But it opens on Anne, the governess, and she has been institutionalized. And her doctor is the lovely Dan Stevens. Um, 
And from the outgo, we understand that he's trying to pry her for her story about her time at Bly Manor. And we kind of get the impression straight away that she's not going to be a reliable narrator. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the opening scene? Well, and do, do you think it added anything? I felt the same way. I, at first I was a little like, why is a man telling her again? Like, why do we have the man telling the woman's story? Um, but then I wondered if they were trying to do the frame from the original book, but instead of just having this party, people sitting around going, oh, let's talk about terrified children. They wanted to make it a little more of a like sympathetic and maybe almost natural. Here's how we're getting into the story. The psychiatrist is getting the story. You know, after I thought about it for a while, I was like, okay, I can kind of, I can kind of see that angle. maybe. But it, like you, it took me out and it, it kind of irritated me right from the get-go. So I was like, why am I, you know, why, why this? Why, yeah. why is this psych? as lovely as he is? And he's so sympathetic with his face. Yes. Why is he telling me this story? Yeah. And it's very much like, like I said, from the get-go, we have unreliable narrator, but we, it also lays out its depiction of gender in this film. Mm-hmm. So we've got one doctor who does not give a crap. He's like, who gives a crap about her story? Like, let's talk to the men who've just come back from the war. <laughs> and <laughs> and then we've got Dan Stevens' character who, yes, he is sympathetic, but he's very forceful. For yeah. a doctor who's studying a fragile psyche, he's so forceful. And it's just like, he Jesus. Several times. Like, he'll reach yeah. out and touch your hand, and I'm like, yeah. whoa! Yeah. You know, if, my, if I were telling this kind of a story and a, psych, a psychiatrist, it seemed like they had just met or yeah. weren't definitely with each other, is touching me. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. So we, we get this idea of like, right, this is going to be about a repressed woman and a woman that has had men her whole life affect her in a really bad, negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she recounts her meeting of the uncle, which is one of the creepiest things I have ever seen, apart from Miles from the 70s. Uncle, yeah, wow. Oh, he's so slimy and he's like touching her hand and being oh, like, if, if you're good at your job, I might come see you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's so strange because from the get-go, she becomes infatuated with him and that okay. that runs through the whole of the film. And of course, you and I are sitting here like, honey... <laughs> You want nothing to do with this man. And they did imply in this film that the uncle's kind of in, like the mm. uncle, even though he's a shadow and, is, and he's ghosting everybody, he was in with Quint. And it seems like yeah. he kind of knew mm. that monkey shines were happening and he was kind of like either part of it or just was like, whatever, you know, he, yeah. he's kind of like a bad character. Yes. I mean, she, she becomes so infatuated with him that she starts seeing him. Ah. Like, from the get-go, from, like, the first day she's there, she starts seeing him and imagining him. And so we're like, okay, she's obviously mentally unstable. Right. And this is what we're meant to think of her. Oh, in the book, in Henry James' book, he says that she was in love. Remember he says, like, I, there's a letter from a lady. And, like, he's kind of saying he loved the governess or had some closer to her. But she loved this uncle. And it was the same thing as I was reading the book. I'm like, she's talked to the uncle for two minutes. What's happening? Like, what, you know, how did she fall in love with this man? I, and he's like an asshole. Like, don't bother me. <laughs> Why do you love him? Yeah. 
And like he even like when he sends the letter from Miles's school to Blind Manor, he doesn't open the letter, he just sticks it in his own letter and he's like, You read this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. Um yeah, it's just she's such a strange character compared to like the 70s one, who's quite subtle. This character, Anne, is very in your face with the depiction of her repressed sexuality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk a bit about this depiction of her sexuality and what happens during okay, this well, film? Before I get there, uh, what really got me going was the butch lesbian car driver who picked her up. And, uh, I was like, what's going on? Wait a minute, what's happening? And then I find out that all the men are at war, so the entire blind manor is run by women. And all the women are victims of Peter Quint. Like, I'm like, what's going on here? This place is nuts. It was really, there was, this one was much more, Quint was much more evil. The uncle is much more evil. But yeah, she's, she is, it's very, doesn't she even say her, her father was like a minister or something at some point. So yeah, it's very, but what's weird about this one with that, that I did not appreciate Miles is much younger. He's barely 10. He's a tiny little blonde thing. And so you don't have that weirdness between the governess and Miles that you had in the 70s one where he's kind of pubescent. And and so you almost feel like she... In the 70s one, it felt to me, and in the book, it felt to me like she's trying to rescue him from becoming a man because men are bad. And only think about sex. So let's rescue this this person when they're right on that cusp. They're right yeah. there where they could go into being a sexual man. Yeah. Um, this child was too young mm. for that. So it was a little strange when he would smile at her and touch her. Like it was it was strange for me and I didn't like it. Like if yeah. he had been a little bit older, it might have worked better for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't so much mind her. I didn't so much mind her sexual. Fr- it just got a little old after a while. Mm. I was like, up, come on, you know, but yeah. it didn't bother me so much. Did it bother you that she was so buttoned <laughs> up and clutching her pearls all the time? It, not so much that bothered me. It was just, and I think this is very much a, a thing on like the director, um, is that it was just played up too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's seeing all these things and seeing this thing. You're like, yeah, all right. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have just done one and mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. She's obsessed with the the, the uncle. She's obsessed with sex mm-hmm. um, because of her upbringing. I get it. Um, and, yeah, I just... It was more overt in its depiction of her repression. But I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I like it when it's a bit more subtle, where you can kind of read for it by yourself. Um, I mean, in the next one we're going to discuss, it's not even there, which I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) It felt like a missing piece. but uh, And the children in this one were not as good. Like... Mm -hmm. They weren't as creepy, especially Flora. Flora, she had the loveliest, like, headbands yeah. and and She's a stunning girl, but she was very performative, and I wasn't sure if she was performative because she's a child actress or because yeah. 
we were supposed to think that Miss Jessup was controlling her. But like the, the key line at the end when the new governess is coming in and she's like, we've been waiting for you. You could almost yeah. see her go, oh, at last. And then, and she's like, I'm going to blink five times. One, two, three, four, five. You're here. We've been waiting for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That felt very yeah. kids. And I was like, mm, I couldn't really. The kids in 74 were just free. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like they wanted to give the kids a bit of like, you know, a, a village of the damned, children yeah, of the corn, you know, especially because I've got bright white hair. I was like, oh, my God. But it didn't, they didn't quite get that creepiness, whereas mm-hmm. 70s Miles was just naturally creepy. Yeah. With this, I feel like they were really playing on possession mm. rather than there's these ghosts that the children can see and are kind of, influencing them this one was like no the ghosts are out and out possessing these children even their voices come true Mm -hmm. and they start early like in the film the film starts very early with she says i've seen i believe in the devil i've seen it and then like we see a ghost right away early in the film it's not that slow burn but what the one thing that's interesting to me in this film is at the very end when quint's coming for miles miles says to her is he here is quint here which made me think like does he know he's here or does he not? Or is she seeing it? There was like that one moment of like, it, but yeah, like you said, it was the voices changing and them swearing and stuff and sounding like. Yeah, it just seemed a bit off. Um, and even like with the shocking moments, like where we find Miles trying to drown his sister, apparently possessed, mm. it didn't feel as shocking as it should be mm. for a 10 year old to be attempting to drown his younger sister and you know talking like a grown man it didn't feel as shocking as it would have been if it was 70s miles mm-hmm. even though 70s miles was all out kind of cruel and outward with his creepy affections it just mm-hmm. it just didn't shock me and i was kind of like eh. mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe because they like you said they're trying to pull together too many like the children look like the children of the dam um the governess, no, not the governess. One of the maids jumps from a window, just like, you know, we've seen in The Omen. We've seen, you know, we've seen that in other, like, possessed children movies. It felt like maybe the BBC was trying to put too many of these mishmash things from other films that have worked in other films. Didn't quite work here. And if they had just trusted the original, like, let's just tell the story and have it be sort of, is it the governess? Which that's so scary. A governess who's crazy enough to let these kids, you know, let a child die under her care. That's still scary in and of itself. Or is it the ghost, which is scary? Like, let, just let it rest on that instead of trying, you know. And then at the end, was she being executed or something? They're like praying and she's getting walked out to the. <laughs> Who knows? Did she get cut off her head? <laughs> and all the women leave all the women leave blind manor like it was just yeah so peter quint raped everybody in the entire <laughs> it was busy all right and not one of them big ladies could take him come on yeah it was oh. just i felt as a whole it was too overt with trying to not even subtext because it was all about like but whereas the actual you know turn of the screw the book and the 70s version is quite subtle and it's Mm -hmm. like open to interpretation whereas this was like no this is what it's about and blah 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 and you're just like oh okay but it's too in my face for my liking Mm -hmm. even 
you know, I'm always like, but the 70s version, the 70s version, they were like very subtle about what could have happened between Miles, Flora, Quint and, and Mrs. Jessup. Whereas in this one, we see Miles viewing Jessup and Quint right. having sex. So it's better. And he's sitting there with a cigar and a, a glass of whiskey. And you're like, he's 10. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we see him smacking Flora and it, Quint was smacking Jessup. Yeah, it, it, it is too, like, just in case you're missing it, let me tell you. And letting, it's scarier for us to try to imagine. That's what's better about the 70s version and the actual story is that you fill in the blanks yourself and you can come up with some really scary things. Like, okay, so what really did happen when they were all alone together, you know, and it's really... Yeah, it's like they just kind of assumed that the audience is stupid. <laughs> so we're going to explain everything for you. Um, one thing that I kind of picked up on was they were really trying to tell, you know, a moral tale of what happens when children are abandoned or left by their parental figures and that they are vulnerable to abusive people that will exploit them and they will carry on this cycle of exploitation and abuse so I kind of get that but again I thought it was just too let's explain it paint by numbers mm-hmm. I agree with you mm-hmm. yeah um so let's briefly chat <laughs> about 2020s uh the turning um it brings the tale into modern day well 90s um so obviously more modern than the 1800s um and we see this governess and for some reason Kurt Cobain has just died and she okay. she needs to run away uh, <laughs> I mean I wanted to run away too but okay <laughs> so she goes to Blind Manor and again meets Flora and Miles um I mean what's your opinion on this so I know they called it deterring to try to get some distance between themselves mm-hmm. and the turn of the screw. I was not hating it. You know, I, I, I didn't see it when it was first released, but I know it was not well received. So I'm, I go into it with this, like, it's going to suck. And it's starting. I'm like, you know, what? I'm not hating it. I'm not hating it. You know, the kid from Stranger Things, is, he's kind of creepy. And there's, there, again, we don't have the governess's sexual repression which I felt was missing because it doesn't, instead they tried to bring up this backstory with the mother. I did not care about that. Um, I, I hated the ending. I absolutely hated the ending. And I would, I would throw something at the screen. I was like, are you kidding me? That was, you wanted to be different. What they could have done is as they were trying to drive to the exit, go through the gate and like Flora dies in the back seat because she can't leave. Her soul can't leave. You know, something, if you want to be different, but still kind of have that creepiness and the tie to blind manner, but that ending, I hate it. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. I, I, I like Finn Wolfhard mm-hmm. um, as an actor, but I don't think he quite hit the Miles character on the head. He just seemed a bit more like a, you know, a prepubescent, frustrated, 
nearly a teenager you know mm-hmm. it just it didn't feel creepy it didn't feel as damaged like mm-hmm. even there's you know a scene where she's trying to take the children to the local town and flora's freaking out in the back just mm-hmm. before they get to the gates and he's like if you don't stop the car i'm gonna kill you mm-hmm. and even that didn't feel even though it's coming from the mouth of a child it didn't feel creepy or shocking enough mm. it just felt like you know a, a child who needs therapy <laughs> you know? kind of a thing yeah yeah, I kind of felt as well, whereas in the 70s one, it was all about atmosphere and it was all about what you can't see. Whereas in this one, I felt they, they were trying to do a bit of a James Wan on it, yes. make it about the jump scares. There was a ton of jump scares. They were really going for that audience that expects that. And even the, um, like, I can remember the commercials, like the trailer and the commercials for this film. It was like the spider, the jump scare. Like it, they try to set it up as a very different type of film. Like you said, that James Wan kind of. They tried to do that, and it's it, they try to promote it that way, which is probably why it was so poorly received. Because I think people went into it expecting like The Conjuring or something like that, and that wasn't what they got. Yeah, it kind of felt like they were trying to do a bit of a like woman in black turn on it you know whereas the adaptation of woman in black does it really well does the jump scares really well because it's it doesn't just it's not just relying on jump scares it's relying on its atmosphere and the kind of the acting as well the only character i really enjoyed was the the uh, like the head maid mm-hmm. i mean she had fabulous hair i loved her hair <laughs> but, but she was quite haunted and I really enjoyed that performance. You know, whereas before the head maid has been quite, not jovial, but she's been quite a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, she was quite a haunted, hardened woman. And I really enjoyed that take on it. But I didn't like the governess. Mm. I didn't like how they tried to be like, well, she's got a schizophrenic mother. So is this, yeah. you know, even at one point the head maid to her says, I hope what your mother has you don't inherit it. Yeah, I hated that when she said that. I mean, we know the head. The, the interesting thing about this was the head maid, even though it was supposed to be the 1990s, she was so caste driven. Like, these are children from privilege. This is how they are treated. We are not. We are the servants. This is, you know, it is our job to take their plate. Like, it, it, there was this weird, which, yeah, that could have been explored a little bit. And one thing in both the other versions, the piano is such a huge part of the story, the children playing the piano and Quint played the piano, even though he wasn't that kind of a man who should have that kind of training, he did. And this one, we've got Finn playing the drums, which was, it's not the same, it doesn't translate the same way. And I want to pick up an electric guitar or something. It's, but still, it doesn't translate the same way as that child sitting and playing classical piano, you know, in that re- it, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you can imagine a teenage boy playing the drums. Mm-hmm. But when you're, I mean, obviously plenty of kids can play classical piano. But it's such an unusual thing for them to be into and, you know, be so accomplished at that it is quite an uncanny thing mm-hmm. in the other adaptations. Whereas this one, you're just like, and? Like, you know, mm-hmm. okay. I just, and like you said, the ending just didn't, it felt very rushed to me. Mm-hmm. It was like they ran out of filming time. We're like, ah, oh, just end it here. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't really know. Even though we got the mother story with the governess, like, 
tried to give us her backstory, but it's like, okay, so she has this roommate who's kind of spunky and fun. She's a teacher. But I'm, I'm again, I wasn't making a lot of, I wasn't connecting a lot of things. And instead, they, tr- it's almost like you were saying with the 90s, they were trying to be too obvious with the, like, Miles going into the bathroom and urinating right in front of her when she's in the room to make her feel uncomfortable. Like, that to me, that's not creepy. That's predatory. That, you know, that's a different, like you said, if I saw that child and that child did that with me, I'd be like, you need therapy. You need to go talk to somebody. That's not okay. You're kind of crossing the line. It, it, different than the 70s one where he's like my darling let's sit and have some yeah. in front of the and you're like you're like he needs an exorcist but he needs a therapy like yeah. you know, <laughs> two very different <laughs> points um the only thing i will say about this one is the manor house that's in this mm. was actually filmed up the road from me no. so yeah it's called kill Roderick, and it's literally just like five minutes that way um so that was kind of nice seeing it and that kind of took me out of it though as well because you know like the fish pond yeah I'm like oh like I've been around that my kids played around that (laughs) I'm just like so it did take me out a little bit because I'm like really that big that pond that pond yeah yeah yes and you know you see like the conservatory it's one of the opening shots of the house it's like a big conservatory that's where they hold all the weddings oh in like an oratory kind of thing um it's a really beautiful place it makes it look a little bit gothic and scary but it's actually a really beautiful place and um where they're going down the driveway to like the gate there's like usually pigs all along there and I was just like where's the pigs gone (laughs) (laughs) so that took me a little bit out of it um so out of the three adaptations Mm -hmm. which one would you um prefer out of all of them which one would you recommend 74 obviously is really it's just it's I don't know why I'm defending the story when I said I could barely read my way through the story but it does stick to the story but it like I said it teases out those ambiguities in a really nice way it leaves a lot for the viewer to kind of mull over and think about it, it's, it's really well done the acting's very good for a tv for a made for tv it's very very well done yeah yeah, I'd agree with you. I prefer it a lot more. For the character of Miles alone, I think, is one of the big scare factors, whereas the one from the BBC, the 2009, I just felt was too much of... It was like they were trying to do a heaving bosom period drama mm. with this text, and that's not what the text is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't quite work. And then obviously the 2021 set in the 90s, it just there's so many recent horror films where we've got this like tortured woman who's possibly being gaslit Mm -hmm. and is she seeing ghosts or is she you know is Mm -hmm. has she got schizophrenia and I just think there's so many horror films like that that that's not what they needed to do to this text Mm -hmm. um do you think there is a way that the turn of the screw could be adapted to modern day I think if you're going to adapt it to modern day, maybe don't have it in a gothic castle. Maybe have it be more modern. Have it be behind a gated community. Have it be, you know, literally they're living like modern people. It, the, the sexual oppression could be a little tricky, but there are still those pockets of, you know, religious groups out there that, that adhere to that, that that would still work. 
I think the trick, I think you hit the nail on the head. The trick is getting Miles to be, to have it be like, is he possessed and not just, is he a teenage boy? Yeah. Yeah. Like teenage boys sometimes do, you know, you really have to make that stronger. So maybe have him start out being like a really good kid, like straight A's, you know, that kind of a thing. And then, um, you know, he's on these teams and he's great. And then suddenly after Quint dies, something really weird, you know, he starts to get weird and, yeah, I mean, as well, like we're talking about the most recent adaptation, but there was also, um, what was it, The Haunting of Bly Manor? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Mike Flanagan who did that yeah, as well? Yeah. I um, didn't see that one. I've seen all his others. I didn't see that one, though. I tried to watch it. I just got really bored. Okay. Um, there was a lot of talking. And even though, you know, as we said, Turn and Screw is a slow burner, this was just too much talking. And well, it came through that. He does a lot he of does. Like, monologues and things. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I couldn't finish Midnight Mass because I got too bored with the monologues. Oh, I love Midnight Mass. I, I had to push my way through it because Father Paul, I loved Father Paul so much that he could go on and on and on. And I was like, keep going. <laughs> Let me hear it. Go ahead. <laughs> so many people have said to me, please keep going with it. Please keep going with it. Because I just, it's just the monologues. Like there's one monologue where the, is it? she's a teacher and she's talking about like pregnancy loss or something like that. Yeah. And it's just like this massive monologue. And I'm like, shut up. Like, I know it's a really poignant thing, but it's just like, I just don't think people talk like that. Right. <laughs> you know, as someone who's gone through a pregnancy loss, you yeah. don't talk like that. <laughs> No, it's just I don't know. I just couldn't get past it. Um, but yeah, Bly Manor again, too much talking, and they try to take the sexual repression from a queer standpoint. So the governess is is queer, um, and I think I would have liked that to have been explored more, but it just felt a bit two dimensional. It didn't feel like what she was experiencing in the house had anything to do with her. There wasn't that strong connection. Um, one a queer character, so we can pat yeah. her on the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, and even that I think was set in the 90s as well, which is kind of strange. Whereas I think if they brought it into the modern era, like you said, let's not set it in the past. Let's set it in modern day because there's no kids hanging out in an old mansion like there's not you know um and they could interview the governess on on zoom or on skype you know have some social media things going on like that could be how she maybe she's following miles social media his texts and she discovers some weird and not just again not just teenage weird like really what the heck like he's part of a satanic cult or something what the heck (laughs) whoa this is evil this isn't just normal adolescent stuff yeah um so thank you so much for coming on and chatting about turn of the screw with me so that was myself and elaine chatting about the turn of the screw. There are so many versions of this story, so do 
check them out if gothic horror fiction is what you're into. Let me know what you thought about this week's episode and what is your favourite adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at What a Scream Podcast and also on Twitter at What underscore Scream. Now, next week is going to be the final episode, I guess, of this season. I guess this is the end of the season. Um, I'm going to be taking a bit of a break and then we will be back come uh, end of November, I guess. Um, But don't miss me too much because I will be doing more episodes of Movies, Murder and Mayhem, the true stories behind um, the the horror films we all know and love. So yes, I, I won't be absent from your life, I promise. Um, So yes, as always, stay horrific and goodbye.